0: Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones.
1: Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Great to have you with us today. Talk more about this Steeler thing in a moment. I I appreciate the passion of Steeler fans, but, you know, I have no dog in the hunt, so I can look at things, I think, a little more objectively. Oh, the suit jumping up and down today about the Todd Haley thing. Yeah, you know, I, mean, I mean, Todd Haley was not jumping up and down when the suit took last year off from play-by-play. Play. Why would he be jumping up and down about <laughs> Todd Haley losing his job? I don't understand.
2: <laughs> I'm just curious who they're going to get if they're going to stay within house, or if the move was know. just if the move was uh, made because someone within the organization had to be a scapegoat because. You know, Tomlin's not going anywhere. At least Tomlin should have the chance mm-hmm. to fix during this off season what's broken.
1: Well, again, you know, it's it's their fault offensively for not scoring forty six points. They <laughs> needed forty two. Uh, I don't know about you. I always felt forty two. You are usually in a pretty good spot. You would think. Uh, that was a, you know, usually, not always, but usually. <laughs> Oh, I remember when I was a kid once. <clears throat> I was watching a Giants-Redskins game. Jeez, and I want to say it was like 1965, 66, something like that. And the Giants scored 41 points. I think it was, I think it was 41. And they lost... <laughs> By twenty-nine. Because <laughs> the Redskins scored 70 points. <laughs> My brother and I were sitting there and we're watching this game, like, I can't believe this. <laughs> the the final was like 70 to 41 or something like that. And I remember I looked at it, I said, you think on most normal days, 41 kind of
3: works for you. <laughs>
1: Well, the Steelers scored forty-two on uh, on uh, Sunday, and it wasn't enough. You know? So you have to ask yourself on that particular day which side of the ball was the issue. Dun, 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 dun. What we what would you vote?
2: Defense. Come on.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I Hello. would think. Hello. I mean, remember they gave up now thirty-eight points to the to the juggernaut known as the Jacksonville Jaguars, Jack <laughs> that scored, what What did they score the week before? 13? That
2: 10? sounds 13? right. Yeah. yeah,
1: something like that. 13? Uh... <laughs> now, I will say the Ryan Shazier thing. I mean, if there's two players they really could not lose. Remember last year they lost Cam Hayward. And I felt that affected them uh, in the, especially in the AFC Championship game with the, with New England last year. And of course, Bell got his usual postseason injury, and then, you know, and in, in, in big games, Antonio Brown has a tendency to get shut out. It seems at times because because. They do the Patriots. They did it to him this year. The Patriots usually do a pretty good job of taking away your first option. They took Bella They took Brown away in the AFC Championship game. They took him away. In part, you know, I think in the regular season game, that'd be fair, right? Jags I mean, beat really the, yeah.
2: Jags beat the Bills ten to three. 10-3. Yep.
1: So you're saying that they, <laughs> Four. but again, the defense created no takeaways, so the offense was never set up. The defense didn't create a lot of three and outs, which meant that the offense didn't have great field position. No pressure on Bortles. Right, no pressure, no sacks. It just was not a good defensive day. Now, Which then brings back why Mike Tomlin felt he had to go for a very low percentage play and an onside kick. Now, I didn't agree with it. I didn't agree with him going for an onside kick. Um, Me neither. But maybe this is one of those cases where communication-wise, because you know we all know that Ben's had his ups and downs with Haley and so forth, and you know he's you know, you know. But there's only so many times you can go in front of the meeting and go, well, you know, really, I'm, I'm not the one that made that decision. I'm not the one that made. You know, I'm kind of sick of the, hearing that one too. All
2: right? You don't see it on the field between the two. At least I never no. did. So you figured how much of it was going on behind closed doors? We'll never know.
1: And we don't know, but no. But I'm, but I am sick of hearing the well you know I'm not really like look you're the quarterback for goodness sakes you're the quarterback.
2: That's what Haley. I was thinking Sunday afternoon it's like oh boy he's throwing Todd under the bus again. It's like yeah you have you 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 brought two you you're a two time Super Bowl champion you have a little bit of clout you can change something on the fly.
1: Well, yeah but but again Todd Haley's not the one that tried to force the pass in against the Patriots. Ben was. Right. Ben had control as to whether he should overthrow that play when it's a one man route. You can look at it and go, Pfft, not there, get rid of it. I mean, I don't you could talk about the play call all you want in the Patriots game, but that's him. That bad. That's bad judgment by him. I mean, that's bad judgment by Ben Roethlisberger in the Patriots game. Right? One man route, three Patriots. Okay, wait a minute. Okay. We talk about this in basketball all the time. He's one on three. Now what do you think he should do if he's one on three? Mm, probably pull the ball back. Well, you're one on three in a pass route, over the middle no less. I say we live another down. What do you think? Quick show of hands. Especially somebody who's been around the block like he has. You know, and remember, I think I think it was after that game he talked about the play call again, didn't he? Well, you know, that's what I was told to do. Well, they didn't tell you to throw it into coverage. They, you know, I'm sure in practice they told you no matter what the route is, whether it's that route or something else, get rid of it. Patriots, to their credit, had it covered and the whole thing. I kind of felt like. Yeah, you no, know, especially on the you know they, they're talking about not having a quarterback sneak in and things like that. It's it, it's interesting. Now the the Shazier thing plays a big role because he really he creates a lot of dominoes. He's the one speed linebacker out there. He's the one linebacker. He was the one speed linebacker he had out there. He was the one guy that actually I think is pretty good in pass coverage. I don't really think the Steeler linebackers are very good in pass coverage. I don't know about you. I mean, I don't, and not having great linebackers in pass coverage is also a domino to a secondary that's not very, not very good. You know, by stand by NFL standards, obviously they're not really a great secondary. But there's a lot of this, There's a lot that comes into play, and I. It's, and it's interesting because I, I feel like the Patriots are actually vulnerable. I don't think this is their best team. I think I feel like Brady in the last month has been good, but hasn't been great. Brady's been good, but he hasn't been exceptional. You kind of feel, in some ways, that you know the, the window is they, they could be had.
2: Oh, especially after their two and two start and got taken you know, taken behind the woodshed, to came back with Kansas City and back yeah. in September, and you know the the defense was extremely yeah. suspect, but they have they've turned it yeah. around. It's just uh, yeah. it's, it's kind of it's a complete opposite. You know, Patriots terrible start, they got all the ducks lined up in the row. It right. could be a terrific finish. Steelers terrific start, terrible finish.
1: Well, I mean, look, the the Patriots have something built in though that's pretty good though. I mean, you can go two and zero against the Jets, two and zero against the Bills, and this year they split with Miami. But normally the Patriots start out the season. You feel like they got six wins, right? So if they can go six and four in the other ten games, they're twelve and four. Now, the Steelers haven't had that over the years. Baltimore usually has been pretty good. Cincinnati's kind of hung in there. Cleveland's just awful. But this year, Cincinnati wasn't very good. I thought Baltimore was no better than okay, and the Steelers were the dominant team. So I kind of felt in that area that the Steelers actually had a favorable schedule because their division wasn't great. I mean, sometimes you hit it in the division where the other three teams really aren't that good, and the Patriots have had that advantage for many, many years now, where they really had a minimum of five and occasionally six wins built into their schedule just based on division. Now, that's not their fault. The other teams just aren't that good, but that's why you play divisional games, right? And that's, if you want to know what has helped them, there's been many elements that have helped the Patriots over the years get home field advantage. A, their own skill level, how they're coached, how smart they are. they you know, Brady, a lot of different things. They've won a lot of games. But they've also, because of their division, it has allowed them to accumulate wins, which are, which is, you know, while the Steelers, for example, they haven't had home field advantage against the Patriots in the playoffs. Well, why? Because, well, you've got to play Baltimore twice. Well, that's a little bit better than anybody you're playing in your division. You got to play Cincinnati twice. Well, he's a pretty, you know, with the, especially, you know, I mean, you know, people can complain about Dalton all they want, but it's not like Cincinnati hasn't been a playoff team under Dalton. What are they, a playoff team, what, three, four years in a row before this year? I mean, Flacco and the Ravens have won the Super Bowl in the last four years. All right. So now that's four games, 25% of your schedule against some pretty good teams. Now, let's go to the AFC East. I mean, how good? I mean, I realize Buffalo made the playoffs this year and Miami made it last year. The Steelers blew them out. But in reality, how good has that division been? For the most part, the Patriots have been able to pencil in six wins, which is 38% of their schedule, every year because they're just not just a little bit better, they're a lot better than those three teams which means if they go 6 and 4 in their other 10 games they're 12 and 4 they go 7 and 3 in those games they're 13 and 3 and that's how you end up getting home field advantage because the division i think has actually been a big plus of getting them home field advantage over the years because buffalo for years hasn't been really good the jets for years have not been very good and the Dolphins, for a long period of time, have been stagnant. Now you can't, you, you can't sit there and, and change what division you're in. I mean, Seattle did because they went to the NFC at one point. Okay. Uh, but that's... That's something that also is rarely talked about. Their divisional games, which you have to play, I mean, you know, that the Steelers have not had home field advantage at times in the playoffs because their division's tougher. I mean, to to get through the AFC North, if you go through that 4-2, and you've had a heck of a year, I think. Now, it's a little bit different this year. Cincinnati wasn't quite as good this year. I felt Baltimore, despite what they did late, still was not quite as good this year. And Cleveland gives you two wins every year. So if you can get through that with splits against Baltimore and Cincinnati, and, you know, you're know you 4-2. You're doing pretty well. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know how you feel about that, Sean, but I think that's been actually the, to me the biggest detriment to the Steelers getting home field because what's home field been decided by
2: usually a game, sure, yeah, and I mean, it could to be me, like that, a swing that, game, it could be like a you know a prime time Baltimore game, or lately the last three or four years a Monday night Cincinnati game yeah. either home or on the road,
1: right? And I think that's something that's never talked about. The Patriots division has really now look again. New England's extremely well coached. New England has a great quarterback. For the most part, New England's played really good defense. They're very precise. They don't make a lot of mistakes. We've, we've praised New England about this the entire time. All right? But it doesn't hurt at all when you've had six games built in through no fault of their own. That's the division they reside in. Where it's not murderer's row. Well, that's thirty eight percent of your schedule. And if you're getting through that at worst five and one, I mean, when's the last time the Patriots were four and two in the division? I mean I mean, think about it. When's the last time the Patriots went four and two against the division? They were five and one against the division this year, right? They beat the Jets twice, right? Yes. Yeah. And they split with the Dolphins and they beat the Bills twice. Yep. So they're five and one. Now, how many games did the Patriots win this year? Thirteen? Yes. Okay, so that meant they go five and one in their division, which meant they went, what, eight and two, which is really good, obviously, in the other ten games. Now it's eight and two. Now what if they go four and two in the division? And they end up with 12 wins. Wouldn't the Steelers have had home field? Now, obviously, they did have to get past Jacksonville. I got that. But also, the Steelers, as the number one seed, would not have played Jacksonville. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. See, there's a lot of dominoes here that fall into play, and something that has really worked to the Patriots' advantage for years. This it, The road goes through Foxborough, it goes through Foxborough, it goes through Foxborough. Well, part of the reason it's gone through Foxboro is they've been able to go click, 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 click six times during the course of the year against what might be the weakest division in the NFL. And I'm talking long-term. Every year it changes as to who's strong and who's weak, but in the last 18 years what might be the weakest division in the NFL
2: Tom Brady limited in practice today team injury report says he has a right hand we report you decide
1: well i watched the game last week i know he has a right hand <laughs> <laughs> But have you have you ever thought of it that way in the schedule? You can talk, you know, and look—they get a first-place schedule all the time. So you know they're going to play the other divisional champions. So you're going to play 25% of the schedule is going to be against first-place teams with a first-place schedule, which means they'll play the first-place team last season from the AFC West, the AFC North, the AFC South, and then obviously there's one division they play against from the NFC, which includes last year's. Champion, okay. So twenty-five percent of their schedule is going to be against teams that finished in first place last the year before. That's twenty-five percent. But thirty-eight percent of the schedule is going to be against AFC East teams. now we're up to ten games. Now we're down to six, and one is going to be. Two are going to be against a second-place team. Two are going to be against the third place team, and two are going to be against the fourth place team, because you have to play one team from the AFC as a full division. So they're going to play four first. They will play three seconds, three thirds, and three fourths along the way. Well, it's actually more than that because they had to play twice. So they're going to play four thirds, four fourths, and four seconds because you had to play whomever's second in your division twice, whomever's third in your division twice, whomever's fourth in your division twice. But it turns out that the AFC East has been of all the divisions the one that you know the Jets had a little period of time where they were decent. You know the two Sanchez years with but I, I think that's a factor I think that's a factor and again Troy I respect your opinion and I understand how the grades and people talk about you know the Steeler offensive line but honestly ask yourself you know, and don't give me this he's a patient runner that's taking it to a whole new level I've seen patient runners my whole life. I've watched Kurt Warner become patient. I watched Saquon Barkley become patient. I watched Kajana Carter become patient along the way. Where boom, they kind of set up their block and go. Kind of standing and holding and waiting takes patience as a running back to a completely different level. That's <laughs> a completely don't you? I mean, have you ever seen a guy run like that? I never have. I mean, I never in my life have seen a guy run run like that.
2: He has a unique style that I really can't compare to anybody else.
1: I've never seen anybody run like that. Mm-mm. And I think the, the reason why is that when he gets the ball, there's no place to go. Now there's no penetration, and then, boom, they're able to open up a crease for him. Terrific. It works. I understand that. But why aren't there any initial like? Because I mean, look, if there's a hole, I can guarantee you go. Hey, this is awesome. I'm going. I mean, just I mean, I mean, don't give me the pro football focus and the patience and all that stuff. Ask yourself why he has to do that. Because I can take take my word. He doesn't really want to do that. He's kind of looked around and go, okay, we'll make this work. And, again, to their credit, they give up no penetration. They don't, you know, so. And then they're able to turn people. So they're a physically strong group. But there's something where you just sit back and say, I've never seen this. Why am I seeing this? And I'm seeing this because, A, it works. But, B, how come there's no initial hole It's a legitimate question, and, Troy, here's the problem. You've never heard it brought up before. That's the problem, Troy. Nobody's ever brought it up. You've got to ask yourself, why? Why? Now, you can rationalize about all pros and patience and things like that, but no offense, there's a reason you don't see It's not normal. I mean, if I don't see any – if it's such a great way of running – why don't we see other people doing that? I mean, Yeah, he gets yardage. There's no doubt about that. He's a heck of a running back. And, yeah, this, again, Pouncey and DeCastro, I think, are terrific. Remember when they did, drafted DeCastro, how big I was in DeCastro. I was huge on him. And I think he's fulfilled that. I think Pouncey's good. I think the other guys, if I'm scouting Foster and I'm scouting Gilbert... I would put on on the Skyline Report J A G, Jag. You want to know what that means? Just another guy. I think they're good. I don't. I think those guys are good, not great. Now, when you're drafting, where the Steelers are <laughs> the problem. The Steelers have been so good over the years. Where they're you know they're kind of in. It's not the Atlanta Hawks. But they're never going to get a top 10, 15 pick. So you're going to get like a 25 pick, which then means you should line up to get a 57 pick, which then means if things fall in the place, you get an 89 pick. And after a while, that does add up to... Now look at Jacksonville we got the third pick, the fourth pick, the seventh pick, whatever. Well, after a while, if you keep those guys, you got, like, guys. <laughs> Remember I talked about Detroit? Like, Detroit's been drafting so high all the time, they finally
2: got decent enough to make the playoffs? Well, like, Sue and I were kind of going through draft order today. Okay, we're trying to figure out, iron right, who should they take first? Who should they take second? Well, maybe. When are they going to pull the trigger and get a quarterback? The problem is, this year, I, I would safely think six quarterbacks are going to go in the first round, Right.
1: Yeah, and it's got to be the right kind of guy. I mean, to be honest with you, uh, you got Rosen, Darnold, uh, Mayfield. Denver, by the way, is coaching the Senior Bowl, their coaching staff. They specifically requested Mayfield to be on their team. I thought that was interesting. Then you've got Allen from Wyoming. (sighs) There's some things about him I like, and there's some things where I look at him I'm like, and see that that might be the guy that's available when the Steelers pick. Now, in the first round, do I would I feel comfortable in them picking him? And I've seen Allen in person. It's not like I'm just looking at a tape. I saw Allen play in person. Now, albeit it was a year ago, and I saw him against uh, in person against Eastern Michigan. You're like, why were you watching that game? Because I had to speak to the Penn State Club in Michigan that night. And I'm like, okay, well, I see something. He moves decently. He's got a decent arm. He kind of throws off balance a little bit at times. He's not squared up enough. I don't know. And that might be like the kind of guy that's available when they pick. When did the Steelers pick? 24, 25, 26? I mean, they
2: got to be down the list again. 26, 28, right around in there.
1: 26 to 28. See, and that's eventually that stuff catches up to you. Getting a bell in the second round, wow. Getting a guy like Antonio Brown, wow. I mean, they've drafted. when they've, had, they've picked some big-time players outside of the first round. DeCastro was a great first-round pick. Pouncey was a great pick. You know, when they got Cam Hayward, I'm like, oh, boy, that's a winner. Remember what I said about Shazier?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I was, you know. And then when they drafted Artie Burns, I went, no. When they drafted uh, Golson from Ole Miss, I ever said no. I mean, I've usually been pretty honest about what I thought about the Steeler draft. I mean, there's there certain guys they picked that went, whoa, big time pick. Remember how big I was on Le'Veon Bell when they picked him? I said, that. And they said, that's a big time running back there. Uh, I was big on Le'Veon Bell, and he's turned out better than I thought he would be. Um,. Because Bell is a better receiver. Bell is better in blitz pickup than I thought he would be. He runs about the way I thought. Of course, he's lost weight too. He's run about the way I thought he would run in the league in terms of running yardage, but he is much better in blitz pickup than I ever imagined he would be. He's he's got to be. He might be the best running back in the NFL in blitz pickup, and I think he's the best running back in the league as a receiver. Because Le'Veon Bell runs legitimate routes. He's the best receiver I've seen because, you know, linebacker can't really cover him. Safety, because he runs legitimate routes, has trouble covering him. He's not just one of those float out of the backfield circle. You know, Yeldon made the big play the other day on the forty yard pass play. That's the way most running backs run routes. Where they kind of float out and they're an option, they get it and go. Okay. And usually that plays five or six yards unless you got Artie Burns in the center of the field going, Oh, am I supposed to be over there? I uh, hope somebody covers me up. Uh, Bell goes boom, cut, go, and I like whoa. You, I mean, you watch the all twenty-two on the Steelers, and you watch him run routes. That is a running back who runs routes like a receiver. Man, I mean, he really is a special talent. All right, Dave Spadero coming up in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay.
3: Sometimes the truth hurts. The first two weeks of January with sub-zero temperatures would a hurting on Sunbury Motors sales. Well, bundle up and save while SMC delivers the biggest discounts imaginable. Sunbury Motors Ford wants to see you in a brand new Escape or F-150. Save up to eight grand on new escape starting at $20,825 or take up to $14,500 off a new Ford F-150 starting at $25,969. Sunbury Motors Kia doesn't want you to pay a diamond interest for your new Kia. Finance a new Serenos, Sportage, Optimo, or Forte for 0% for 75 months. No one has 0% for 75 months but Kia. Sunbury Motors Hyundai wants you with America's best warranty. 10 years, 100,000 miles. Plus, you can save up to $3,807 on a new Santa Fe and $3,112 on a new Hyundai Tucson. Bundle up and save at Sunbury Motors, for Kia, or Hyundai in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and it's 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf.
0: Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones.
1: Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Keywords 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Joined now by Dave Spadero, Eagles Insider. Dave, welcome. Great to have you with us.
4: Hey, Steve. Thanks so much. Great to be with you.
1: Well, it's great that we have an opportunity to talk this week, because that means the Eagles are in it. Dave, when you look at – let's get to some guys that have put themselves in a great spot. When you look at veterans like Fletcher Cox and Malcolm Jenkins, who have now put themselves into this spot, and you see the level that they're playing at to help the team get there, what does that tell you about them as professionals and as motivated people?
4: Yeah, I mean, they're really elite players. And, you know, if if you think back a season ago, Fletcher Cox was – heavily scrutinized and at times criticized big contract didn't put up the big numbers and not the consistent performer and then he goes out on saturday night against the falcons and really wrecks the interior of that offensive line and the same with malcolm malcolm's been so durable so steady such a leader for this football team and and let's be honest here steve we've talked in the past nobody expected the eagles to be in this position and certainly after Carson Wentz went down, nobody thought the Eagles would get to this spot. So it, to re, it requires the entire team. It requires players who are leaders and Cox, Jenkins among them. You
1: know, guys like Cox. And then what is Timmy Jernigan meant to Fletcher Cox?
4: You know, it's interesting because Tim doesn't really put up the big numbers, but he does disrupt and he does open up opportunities for other players. And he played a really good game against the Falcons, really got inside and disrupted their run game. And he's just got quickness off the ball. He gets up the field. He takes some attention away from Fletch and from his other line mates. And it's, it's a very good mix, those two. They play off each other very nicely. I mean, it, it takes the village against the run, and the Eagles lead the NFL in run defense. And that's something that in this game on Sunday night, If they can stop Minnesota's run game in its tracks and then get in Case Keenum's face, they have a chance to win the game.
1: No, no question about that. We've talked about how the Eagle pressure really aided the corner play, not the safeties. The safeties have been terrific. We just talked about Jenkins in particular. But we felt early in the season that the Eagles' rush and line really aided the corners. Have you now seen, especially with the return of Ronald Darby, have you now seen the corners doing a better job of holding their own and not needing as much from the defensive line?
4: Uh, yes, in a way. I mean, I thought they played really well last week. I'm actually really intrigued by this matchup because Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs are big-time players, and I hope no people no. don't sleep on them. Everybody's focus has been kind of on Case Keenum and on what they're doing, but I just think that an underrated part of Minnesota is that pass game and the receivers. And Thielen is a Pro Bowl receiver. He's dynamite on third down. I think it's a really tough matchup for the Eagles. And I, I think that this is the kind of game when you've got a good offensive line in front of Keenum, you've got Keenum who's got the ability to buy time in and out of the pocket. The cornerbacks are going to be severely tested.
1: And it's more than that because it's Thielen is terrific. Diggs is a special talent. But Kyle Rudolph at tight end, is the kind of guy that's going to get some single coverage and you've got to handle him.
4: Yeah, and, and he's a big, big, big guy. He's not very fast. He's a great red zone threat. But his size, you're you're basically being asked to guard a power forward, and that's what Kyle Rudolph is. And so the Eagles have done a good job against tight ends this year. I mean, look, the defense has done a really nice job all around. And honestly, Steve, I believe the defense – has to carry the Eagles to a win. I just think this is going to be an old-fashioned slugfest—a you know another fifteen to ten kind of game—and hopefully the Eagles have the fifteen.
1: All right. And now let's get to the quarterback, Nick Foles. What did you think of his performance against the Falcons?
4: It was it was a solid performance. Um, he loosened up as the game went along. He gained more confidence as the game went along. He made the right decisions. On those run pass options. He got Alshon Jeffrey involved. I like that. On the downside, the Eagles were just one of three in the red zone, and they can't have that kind of performance. Not his fault, but Jay Ajayi fumbled on the first drive. So I think in this game, they've got to have, Nick's got to be a bit more of a dangerous threat down the field. Tough defense to dink and dunk against. And I just think the Eagles have to be really risky with their, with their game plan. I think they have to be really challenging, really daring, and let Nick go down the field at times. Now, the weather is going to play into the offense's favor a little bit more. Temperatures in the mid-to-upper 30s when game time arrives, kickoff arrives. So that should help both quarterbacks. It's just this defense is so darn good in coverage. They can generate pass rush with their four men and cover with seven. I think it's going to be real tough, tough times for the Eagles' offense.
1: Yeah, and that's the key. They can get with four. That was the Steelers' problem with Jacksonville. Four guys could beat five on a consistent basis, and that left seven to cover. When you look at Harrison Smith, we talked about Jenkins. How good a safety is Harrison Smith?
4: A great safety. Does it all, covers everybody. It'll be tough for Zach Ertz to get open in his game, and Zach Gertz, obviously, a Pro Bowl tight end, somebody who really the Eagles rely upon so much. Uh, Sandeo is also a very good safety. I mean, there's really no weaknesses with the Vikings' defense. They, they have it all, and that's why they're the number one defense in the NFL. So the Eagles will have to, A, execute the basics, win at the line of scrimmage, B, have great ball security, and then... We saw Doug Peterson introduce a couple of wrinkles last week in the run game. I expect a couple of more wrinkles in the offense this week. And, again, if the Eagles have a chance to make a play, they got to make it because they're not going to have very many opportunities.
1: Dave, you've now had a good opportunity to really watch Jay Ajayi up close. It's one thing to watch him on tape or see him in a game in person. Now you've seen several games. What kind of running back is he, and what does he mean to the Eagles attack?
4: He's the most explosive running back they have. Uh, He runs with power as well, and if he could curb his lack of ball security, the Eagles would really have a dynamite threat there. However, I believe he's fumbled four times with the Eagles. That is to be worried about. That is a cautionary flag that especially in this level of game, you cannot have. I expect Jay to be the, the main ball carrier. I expect Corey Clement to come in and touch the ball in the passing game, provide pass protection, and then LeGarrett Blunt to be the hammer in the short yardage game. But yeah. look, if the Eagles are going to make big plays in the run game, it's coming from J.H.I.E.
1: In the fourth quarter with the lead, how important has LeGarrett Blunt become?
4: <laughs> Everything. Isn't they, it incredible, Steve, how every morsel of the game is so important? But certainly to have somebody who runs with power like blunt does and converting that fourth down into a touchdown on saturday night with a great block from brandon brooks and a great block from trey burton so vital uh and look we garrett's got the playoff experience won a super bowl last year won one prior to that i would like to mix in the backfield i think they are the kinds of running backs who can not necessarily wear down but they can have success against the viking defense
1: Dave, I know you have TV to do. I appreciate the time you gave us today. I appreciate it very much.
4: Dave, I always love coming on. I wish I could do it longer. I'm just This week has been wonderfully busy, frantic, and there's more to come. So I'm very excited about the Eagles being in this position because, again, nobody thought they were going to be here. And I probably didn't either after Carson Wentz went down.
1: Ah, the glories of time management when things are going well.
4: <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Steve.
1: I know the feeling, Dave, <laughs> where suddenly you're sitting there in a particular week, and now you've got 17 to 20 radio stations like, can you do this show, do this show, do this show? <laughs> like, okay, I can give you seven minutes here, I can give you eight minutes there.
2: <laughs> yeah, but still, when I reached out to him earlier this week, I heard back from oh. him in a, in a minute, when, which I Hold did on. not expect, which is... We yeah, appreciate that guy. more than more than he'll ever know. We appreciate that.
1: Great guy. Uh, one quick note on, on the on uh, good. I want to go back to the Le'Veon Bell thing for a moment. Here's why no one questions what's happened because they've been successful with it. All right, the steel running game has been successful because it works.
2: So it's kind of like if it ain't broke, don't that, fix it mentality. Right.
1: That's why no one has questioned it. That's why it is a shock to the system when someone sits back and says, no, wait a minute, can we look at this analytically for a moment? Why does he do that? Now, it works, so if it works, you keep on doing it. And Troy's absolutely right. They'll get five, six, seven yards of doing it. But it's abnormal in terms of how it usually works. Take a moment and ask yourself why it is abnormal. All right? Why does he have to do that? See, I just brought up just a question where, because believe me, it's a legitimate question, right? You just watched Jacksonville, because remember, the Steelers did damage on chunk plays in that game. Big pass to Brian on fourth down. Big pass to Brown on fourth down. Uh with the wheel route play. Big play to Le'Veon Bell. What did they get another big play for a touchdown? Or they scored what six touchdowns in the game. That's three of them right there. Normally you get three plays like that. Wasn't there a fourth one in the game? I guess what, Brown had, uh, no, Brown had two. Oh. Brown, had, Brown had two, Brian had one, Bell had one. That's four of their six touchdowns were on chunk
2: plays. Yeah, Ben had three. And, three of the passes were on fourth down for scores.
1: But I'm, but I'm saying, though, that when you do that, you win the game because if you get chunk plays like that, you are in great shape. All right. But Jacksonville didn't blitz. Why? Because they own the line of scrimmage. I mean when you can get pressure with four, you're in really good shape defensively normally. now again they gave up 42 points. I mean so I mean they weren't that awesome. but I if you but a lot of these drives were extended to fourth down, fourth down fourth down all the time. Because the Steelers couldn't get ten yards in three in three downs.
2: Steelers and, will have another. Steelers will have another opening to fill on their coaching staff. We just received word a little while ago. Wide receivers coach, uh, coach Richard Mann is retiring. He coached in the NFL for thirty three years, five with uh, the Steelers.
1: Well, that's a, you know. Yeah, I mean, because obviously, you know, Brown turned in a shabby year, so it obviously had a problem in that spot. Too. <laughs> it must be a joy to go to practice every day, and I'm looking out and I see Antonio Brown. You've you got to be going back to your locker at night when you're done in the, in the coach's locker room. I'm going, I am really a lucky dude. <laughs> we'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WK. Okay. I was reading this article today about how the NFL has plans that if the Vikings win to mitigate the home field advantage, <laughs> what, what are you going to do? Stop, stop someone from Eden Prairie
3: from buying a scalp ticket to go <laughs> I mean, really?
1: <laughs> what are you going to do? Well, we have to make sure the two practice facilities were equitable. Excuse me, weren't you going to make the two practice facilities equitable to, to the
3: teams regardless of who was there? It's
2: like They're worried they're going to be like these uh, impromptu, uh, like, skull chants are going to be coming out of the crowd uh, when something else is supposed to be happening during the pregame?
3: <laughs> I mean,
2: well, the whole uh, logistics thing you brought up about a week or so ago about players staying here and there and, uh, you know, hotel issues and, you know, we got to fill them up and...
1: Like the NFL took the, the first took the home team's 15% of tickets and divvied them up equally. Home teams stay in hotels rather than their homes. Guess what? If I'm Zimmer, I'm in a team meeting, I said, we're checking into the hotel on the day they tell us. And
3: after that, you can go home. Sleep in your own bed, boys. <laughs> right. What? Uh, excuse me. Is Roger Goodell going to do bed check? <laughs> I mean, come on. That would be funny. I mean, seriously.
1: I would look at them and go, look, Friday night before the game, all right, we all have to be there, and then we're going to do meetings on on Saturday like we always do. I would –
3: right, and guess what? If they want to find me, something tells me the fans would go, here you go.
2: Come on. First home team that gets a Super Bowl. Throw us a mulligan. Let us sleep in our own bed.
3: It wouldn't even be lettuce. I, I We're going to find you. Go ahead. I'm letting them go home. We checked into the hotel. We did exactly what you said. Here's the key.
0: You're <laughs> listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.